Hello. Hi, Ellen. Hi. <laughs> How are you? Hi. Doogie wanted to be here, especially to say hi to everybody. Oh, now who is this? Doogie, is that what you said? Doogie, sugar. Oh, sugar. Shuggy. Hello, Shuggy. Ladies, can we all say hi to Shuggy, please? And here's Figaro. Oh, Figaro. Very handsome. Here's Marty Hair. Hello. Bonnie. Hi, everyone. They, they came today. They helped me once a month to grind chicken skins for my country dogs. Oh, wow. That sounds like quite a process. It is a process. We finished and we're all ready to say hi to you. And I wanted everybody to meet these people that have come to be my nephew and niece. Oh, very and, sweet. And I love them. They help me fix everything that breaks in my house. They just fixed my oven. Wow. They cut down trees, bushes. But my aunt, she's the one. She grinds. The chicken skins for me, and I sit down and I talk to her. Aww. I love Serena. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. wonderful. Oh, everything, but uh, something, something says. Yeah, they, they help, help me fix. fix they do fix oh, everything. Wow, yes. how sweet! They, that is very sweet of them. Yeah, it is very sweet. I'm very fortunate to have them in my life because I'm single and. I fix some things, but not everything. Yeah. And I see dear Gloria Lamon in the background there, right? Is that you? You just froze. Good job. Why did you freeze? Uh-oh. How about now, Ellen? Can you see us? You froze. I do. I see you. I'm looking around to see the ladies there. Maybe we can say hi right now. We'll give you a pan of the room, Ellen. Everyone can wave. Everyone is enjoying some snacks. Edie's going to turn the light on so you can see a little bit better. How nice. Are you having a nice luncheon? <laughs> Delicious. So you might see some more familiar faces. Oh. <laughs> well, when, when I'm done with you, do you know what we're going to do? What? Because they help me do so many things, I treat them to the best tacos in the world. With the best, um, it's a bean soup that has chorizo and bacon and onions and vegetables. It's so good. Oh, wow. Gloria had some of that before. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Ellen, thank you so much for making the time after grinding the chicken skins. You guys did hard work. That's intense labor. <laughs> thank you so much for making yeah, the time. It has been, yes. yes. That's, That's why... That's, That's why, why I treat them. them. That's yeah. why I treat them to, to, to the restaurant because they help me so much. Oh. We, we do, do this like, like once a month, once every, every month and a half, two months. That's great. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Well, Ellen, we'll go ahead and we just have some wonderful questions so that we can get to know you better and hear how the Lord is working in your life. But one okay. thing that I would love to start with because I never tire of hearing your testimony. I think I've heard it maybe three times now, and I love hearing it. So, Ellen, would you please share with us how the Lord drew you to himself? Well, I was in high school, and a Japanese um, Buddhist girl became a Christian, and she told me that I needed to believe in Jesus in order to go to heaven. And I told her that she was crazy, <laughs> that I was born Jewish and I would die Jewish, and that I already knew the, the top guy. And she needed to believe in Jesus to know the top guy, but I already knew him, so I didn't need Jesus. And she challenged me 
to um, look at what the Bible said. And I said, well, I'll never read your Bible. I have my Bible. But, you know, I had never read my Bible. And, and so um, I didn't tell her that, of course. But I got a hold of a Bible because I was going to prove to my friend um, Sandy once and for all that Jesus could have never been the Jewish Messiah. So I began reading, and I began going with her to church. And one Sunday, the pastor spoke of 30 prophecies proving that Jesus was the Messiah. And it was a Japanese church. They're very conservative. And I just stood up in the middle of the sermon and said, where does it say that in my Bible? Show it. Prove it to me. <laughs> and then I realized what I had done, and I thought they were going to kick me out, but they didn't. They showed me God's love. And the next week, the pastor gave me a handwritten sheet of paper showing me all these prophecies, and that changed my search. Instead of wanting to prove to her it wasn't true, I wanted to see out if it wasn't, if it were true, because I believed in my head, but we aren't saved by our head, it's our heart. And so I, I just started asking more questions, what's going to happen to all the good Jewish people when they die, are they just going to go to hell, and why would you think that we would believe in Jesus? Uh, if Hitler, for us, was a Christian, um, and, well, after a, a, you know, I asked for signs, God, if this is really true, make this happen, and I would put Sandy the, to the test lots of times, and she just showed God's love to me. That's why I always tell people more Jewish people become believers in Jesus by Gentile believers that love us, because that's what they did, and it provoked me to jealousy. And after a year, she said, why don't you come to this camp that we have? At, um, it's called the Japanese Evangelical Missionary Society camp at Mount Hermon, California. And it was an inexpensive camp. My parents took me to the church. You know, a Jewish camp is a lot more expensive. So they liked it. It was cheap. And they took me. <laughs> Little did they know it was going to change my life. Um, every night, the, uh, the, a pastor would have an altar call. If you want to accept Jesus, come forward. But on the 24th of June, 1971, the pastor said, If you have any questions, the Bible has the answers. Come forward. So I was the first one up there. I thought, finally, somebody that had some sense, you know. And they took us to a back room, and they had us pray. And I thought, these guys are a bunch of parakeets. They're just repeating what they hear. And I started laughing at them while they were praying. And then I started crying, and I ran out. God really had answered all my questions. He showed me in, in the Bible that um, the heavens declare the glory of God. And while I was walking in the forest at Mount Hermon, I found a plant that had three, it had three um, stems connected to one plant. And the Lord impressed upon my heart, well, if a mere plant could be three and at the same time one, can't God be a triune God? And I just began thinking of, um, Maimonides, the greatest, one of the greatest teachers in Judaism, how he, when he saw that the Shema, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Echad, that word, the, the hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, that one is a compound unity. Just like the plant that I saw that were three in one. And he wanted to change that word and put Yahid, which means one, only one, but the scholars wouldn't let him because that's what was written. And all these things impacted me. So when I ran out under a tree at 8 o'clock at night in the forest, my friend Sandy somehow found me. 
And there was a point of decision. And I just remember saying to the Lord, thinking of how the, he gave me all the answers. I just said to him, you know what, God? I believe it. That was my commitment prayer. I believe it. And, I, and by saying that, I was saying, I know you're the, the Lord. I know you're God. You died for me. There's no other way. I want to give you my life. I believe it. And I told, my first prayer was, after I said I believe it, help me to tell Sandy now that I believe it because she's never going to believe it. <laughs> she was very wise, and she told me, um, well, you need to confess. She said, you need to, Romans um, 10, 9 and 10, you know, if you believe in your heart um, and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Um, and she said, you need to share at the victory circle at the campfire. So we went to the campfire. I shared. The Lord really, in, the Holy Spirit pushed me to share. There was a fight. You know, going to the campfire, I was thinking of all these things that happened to me in my life, and I shouldn't believe in Jesus. But I got there, and I shared. And when I shared, God's peace just came over me more and more. And I had written a letter the day before to my parents saying, Oh, this is a really nice camp. And yeah, they talk about Jesus, but don't worry. I'll never believe he was more than a good man or a prophet. And the next day I gave my life to him. And two days later I went home and I was 16 and nobody told me how to tell my parents that I believed in Jesus. So I just walked in and said, guess what? I know who our Messiah is. It's Jesus. And it didn't go over too well. They got upset, um, to say the least. In the beginning they thought it was a phase I was going through. I had been a vegetarian two years trying to please God, and now they thought I'll believe in Jesus for a while. But when it didn't go away, they forbid me to go to church, and the only room where I could really read my Bible was in the bathroom because it had a lock on the door. And one day, I, I have one sister, and one day I was talking to her, telling her just how Jesus was changing my life. He was giving me peace. I used to be a really nervous wreck, bite my nails to the core, had a really, really bad temper, and she could see the difference. And she just said to me, Ellen, two years ago, I, I accepted Jesus into my heart. And I went, really? Are you just telling me that to get me off your back? And she told me that she had been at a YCA camp and asked the Lord for help. So my sister said that she believed. And we began to pray together and read the Bible together. And she was engaged to be, to be married to a Jewish guy who had had his bar mitzvah and they had the Jewish wedding with the rabbi, the chuppah, and everything. And they, he was in the Coast Guard, and they went to Tennessee. She was 19. She, no, he, she was 18. He was 19. And they went to Tennessee where he was serving in the Coast Guard, even though there's no coast in Tennessee, but there's a Coast Guard. And soon he found out, she was reading the Bible, and he, she, he found out that his Jewish bride read the Bible, the Christian Bible, and believed in Jesus. And he became very irate. Many people at the church there, maybe you're sitting there and you know my brother-in-law's name is Shelly Gale. He used to be one of the police guys at the church. Well, he just made her life impossible, and she didn't know what to do, and she just clung to the Lord, and he saw such a difference in her, and he had a really good buddy at the Coast Guard base that wanted to commit suicide because they're young and the life is really difficult, and he didn't know how to help his friend, and he said, well, why don't you try this? Jesus stuff that helps my wife so much. My non-believing uh, brother-in-law witnesses to this other guy, and he went to the Christian group on the base, 
and became a believer and changed so much before my brother-in-law's eyes that he became a believer. My sister said she was a believer. We were baptized together with other Jewish believers, but she really wasn't saved. For five years, she said she was a believer, but because they started going to a good Bible-teaching church, she realized she wasn't, and she um, repented of her sins and was baptized again and gave her life to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? My back um, home, and things got bad to worse. Um, in my house, there was a problem. My mom was an alcoholic. Um, she would drink day and night ever since I was little. And it was interesting, a day wouldn't go by when she wouldn't raise her fist to my face and say, what's Jesus going to save you from? You aren't different because you believe in Jesus. She could see I was different because of Jesus, and she even said it. And she would call all the relatives and say to them, Ellen says Isaiah 53 talks about Jesus. And Ellen says Isaiah 7:14. She learned all these things that I would tell her, and she witnessed to all the family while she was drunk. Amazing. Well, I don't know how long you want me to talk about my testimony because you want to know anything else. Four years after I got saved, um, a week before, my mom got cancer in her throat from drinking and smoking, and blessed cancer caused her to fear eternal life and what was going to happen. And a week before she died, a missionary, Ruth Wardell, Ruth with the Truth, went to visit her, and she uh, gave her life to the Lord. She was in the hospital and told me 15 minutes before she died that she had believed in Jesus. My dad, years later, rejected the Lord all the time, and he passed away in his sleep, and only the Lord knows. You know, we always have that what if, you know. Yeah. And... So I'm just very thankful my sister's a believer. One of my mom's sisters became a believer. Wow. It's contagious. <laughs> well, that's why I love to hear your testimony, Ellen, because it's such a wonderful reminder to us that God does not work in the ways that we plan. And I'm sure that you had no intention of coming to know the Lord as your Savior when you no. met with your friend. No. How many people he saved even through their attempts to fight it and so praise the lord for how he works a, a jewish young teenager at a japanese church amen and then the lord sent you to mexico it all makes sense right that's what i would love for you to piece together how did you get from that point to mexico tell us ellen what drew you to choose to do missionary work in mexico before i ever got saved i thought when i was examining the the christian faith um I thought, if this is true, and there's no other way to get to heaven except by Jesus, and I believe it, I'm going to have to live to tell people about Jesus. I wasn't saved, but I was I was just you know, going through what it would mean if I believed, examining the faith. And, uh, but you know, I thought, if I had the cure to cancer and I didn't share it with anybody, people would really think terrible about me, and I would be a terrible person. So when I came to faith in Jesus... He began to put all these puzzle pieces together. Um, after a year of being at the um, Japanese church, I realized I wasn't Japanese, and it was very cultural, too. And I, I had um, visited Grace Church before I got saved when I was searching for the truth. And I remember when I was there and John spoke, my, when I was not a believer, I, I said to myself, this guy is so narrow-minded. And then after I got saved... I remembered what a great teaching he had, and it was a mile from my house. So I went to Grace, and I started getting plugged in with what it, I would have to do if I wanted to go to tell people about Jesus. 
At first, I thought I'd have to be a nun because I had no idea what it was really to be a Christian. Um, but they straightened me out at Grace, and, and it took 10 years after I got saved before I finally got to come to Mexico. Why Mexico? I had, you know, when I, going into school, um, I never took a language in high school. And when I got into junior college, I soon found out that if you took a language, you would get five units instead of three that they would give for history or math or science. And I wanted to get out of school as quickly as possible. I wanted to become a nurse. I wanted to get my general education units taken care of. So that's why I started to study Spanish, because I would get five units. In two years, I'd have 20 instead of 12, and I would get out of school faster. That was my reasoning, but God had another. I studied for two years, and, you know, you can't speak a whole lot after studying. Hola, Paco, que tal? And I went frustrated to the office of one of my teachers and said that I was frustrated. And she said, you need to go live in a country that speaks Spanish. I have a friend that lives in Guadalajara, and she rents out rooms. And she dialed her friend right then and there, wow. gave me the phone, and I committed myself to go live in this lady's house. Um, so I did, and I was there three months. And... Really, God did amazing things. John MacArthur had been to one church in Guadalajara. I asked him, where is it? Oh, I don't know. You look. You'll find it. And I did. The very first day I was there, I went walking everywhere because I didn't know how to use the buses. I went to this hospital that was a Christian hospital that I found out later. The um, chaplain there saw that I had a Jewish star, and he started witnessing to me. And I thought... I wonder if he knows how to witness to Jewish people, so I didn't tell him I was a believer until after a while he took out a pamphlet, and it was with Chosen People's Ministries, Beth Sar Shalom, and a lot of the people I had been with before, and I knew them from the pamphlet, so I told him I was a believer. And then I said, you know, my pastor came here to Guadalajara once and spoke at a church, but he couldn't remember the name. Do you ever remember hearing a pastor, John MacArthur? And he looked at me, and he said, John MacArthur is your pastor. He came to the church next door, the hospital, and spoke more in five minutes than I've learned in five years. And I thought, God guided me to the very church. Wow. And he did so many things more. Wow. Just amazing. Yay, we're back. We still, Yay. still don't have a picture. Oh, now we do. Wonderful. Okay. Yay. Thank you, Ellen. Well, tell us now. We figure out how you got to Mexico. But what cho what did you how did you decide to stay in Mexico? Okay. Well, the time when I came, I learned Spanish. I was 19. Um, I had a I bought a one way ticket because I didn't have enough money for a round trip ticket. I can't believe I did that. But uh, my, you know, when you're young, you do some crazy things. But my my teacher's sister came to visit during Christmas time and said that if I would meet her in Mazatlan, she would give me a ride home in her motorhome. So I took a bus and went to visit her in Mazatlan and got a ride home. And the, the, the first Sunday I was back, they announced that a Spanish group was going to begin with Dwayne Ray. Um, and I was one of the first six people at the Spanish group. And it's very interesting to know, Dwayne Ray's granddaughter is Robin Contreras. She wasn't even born then. But the Lord had her for Luis Contreras, my pastor here, and Luis, I had met him in Cuernavaca when he was a teenager. He wanted to study at Masters, and I got him in contact with the Daniel Osano from the Spanish group at that time. Um, and he met Robin at Masters, and they got married. And she's here now. And uh, 
It was all with Dwayne Ray. Amazing. And, you know, there were a lot, there were three other uh, places God had opened up doors for me to be at. And this is really important. In Colombia, missionaries were asking me to go. In Argentina, they were asking me to go. And at, at Grace Church, they were asking me to stay to be the bilingual liaison at the Spanish department. And I didn't know what to do. So there were four pastors over me in the Echo Group. And I remember reading in Proverbs 11:14 that in the multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. So I told these four godly men, I can't decide. Can you decide for me? And they said that they racked their brains and prayed and prayed for hours upon hours. And they finally decided Mexico. And when they did, God's peace came over. And I've been here 36 years. Praise the Lord. I do. There's much to hear about those 36 years. Most recently, though, you just returned yesterday, correct, from Dominican Republic. Can you tell us about your time there? Tired face, tired, tired. <laughs> I was very tired. It was an amazing time. They, they have a, a, a retreat for the ladies. This is with the Plymouth Brethren Group. Um, I, this is my fourth trip going to be with them. Um, they had 450 ladies at a, a resort in Puerto Plata. Um, and they asked me to teach on being entirely prepared for every good work from 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. They asked me to talk about the importance of being at church, the importance of giving your offering, the importance of serving, the importance of dress. And I just thought, I know a lot of people that go to church, they dress well, they serve, they give, you know, but they aren't even saved. So, you know, I was reading through, this year I'm going through John's book on uh, his devotional book, Drawing Near. And in April, if you have that book, go through April again. Uh, He was going through the the, um, Beatitudes. And it really impressed my soul. I already had translated several of the things that he wrote. So I put together a a seminar. I had four hours to teach it. and went through a lot of the Beatitudes, and they love hearing what John teaches. So I mixed his with mine, and um, people became believers. Others were drawn to obey the Lord. It was just a wonderful time, uh, exhausting but wonderful. <laughs> wow, how exciting. Ellen, did you have any trouble getting in and out or around um, the island, you know, and following the aftermath of the hurricane? How is it now it there? Did, it didn't affect the island at all. At all, okay. Um, it, supposed to hit them like Puerto Rico, yeah. and it went out to sea and it passed by them. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And then David has a video that you sent him. Oh, he's showing us some of the pictures you sent from the conference. And there's also a video. What's the video of um, as we're looking around the beach? Is that the place that the conference was held? Yes. One of the ladies from my church here in Mexico wanted to go with me. And when we got there... She whips out this camera, and I had no idea she was a photographer. And she took all these pictures, oh. and she's going to make a presentation, but this is what we have right now. Oh, um, it was a blessing to have her with me. We'll watch the video. Yeah. You watch it. You don't have to watch me. <laughs> <laughs> so the people in, in the Dominican Republic, can I talk while you? Yes, please. Go right ahead. Are very, very warm, yeah, yeah. very loving. And everybody wanted a picture with me. I felt really important. Um, They were so kind and very hungry for God's word. And since I've gone four times, I saw a lot of the people that I had already met. 
the first conference I went to, they had like 100, 150 people. And it's grown and grown and grown. That's exciting. We also had a question, Ellen. We were wondering if you saw the Cardozas while you were there, Angel and Yamel. I didn't see. I wrote to them and tried to let them know I'm going to be there, but no, we didn't make contact. Okay. Yeah. Now, Ellen, do you travel a lot? Are you traveling to other countries regularly or mostly no. in Mexico? No, mostly it's in Mexico. Okay. Um, some and, and sometimes I travel more, um, um, but it just whenever you know, yeah. I'm a wandering Jew. When they ask me, I, I have a couple trips coming up in Mexico. Yeah, uh, one trip is going to be a six-hour bus ride to go to teach, and another one is a four-hour ride. But the people come and get me, and then they bring me back, which is nice for that one. That's so. great. And then when you're not traveling, what does a typical day look like for you? A typical day is being attacked by a bunch of cats to get up to feed them and open the doors and clean their litter boxes. And then I prepare um, a pot of um, um, chicken skins with tortillas and put it in um, dog food, dry dog food, and go to the country and talk to the people and feed the dogs that are out there. And I have four that I take care of. And then I come back and get ready um, to, for my Bible studies, I have a Bible study Tuesday morning, Wednesday night, tonight I have one, and Thursday morning, in the midst of people calling and asking for counsel and asking for prayer and the people coming. I'm a nurse, and so a lot of my neighbors come and ask me to give them shots or take their blood pressure. Um, so that's a in time to spend with the Lord and read and um, pray. Well, and, Luis Contreras... I, I, Luis was with us just a couple weeks ago, as you might know, and he also was just singing your praises, Ellen, and we're so thankful for all the wonderful ministry that the Lord uses you there for in the women's Bible studies and just readily available to <laughs> to all of the, the people yeah. in your building and whatnot. So, Blackie. We're so <laughs> and for was Blackie. so excited I came home last night. He would not leave me. I went to my bed, he slept next to me. I went to the couch, he slept with me. I mean, sometimes my bed is so filled with cats, it's easier to go to the couch. So, Ellen, do you have, like, a number on how many cats actually live with you currently, or is that kind of hard to say? No, it isn't. I, six came from this veterinarian that lives next door, that her office is next door. Okay. They flew her office to come to my house, and they will not stay at her office. So I have six of hers, and I have, in total, are you guys ready? I have 16 cats. 16, wow. 16, yes. Okay. But as you can see, um, 10 of my cats are from 10 years old to 16. I look at them every day and think, are you still there? <laughs> because they, uh, several of them have been on their last uh, legs. Cats and four dogs. And four dogs in the country, plus other dogs that come to get food. Can I give you, can I give you a little tour? Yes, please. Give us a tour. Okay. Okay, well, this is the uh, living room. This, this is my Jewish wall. And uh, you can turn around and see. This is Botita. She's asleep. This is the sofa I was sitting on. My little menorah. This is Shuggy again. This is Bonnie. <laughs> this is my little niece. And this is my little dining room. My dad, when he died, left me some money. 
And um, I, he always would give me $25 uh, for my birthday and for Hanukkah. And he'd say, and this is not for the church. So with, with what he left me, I bought this table and this um, air. I can't remember what it's called in English, but um, China closet. Oh, anyway, yeah. that. Really, really nice. Yes. And then uh, my little bookshelf. I'll take you upstairs and then I'll take you outside in the back. I have a downstairs bathroom. And then we go up, and you see, this is the wall of my family. Let me turn around here as we go up the stairs. This house, the Lord graciously allowed me to buy um, in 85. It cost $13,000, the whole house. Wow. Amazing. has three <laughs> bedrooms. What a blessing. This is my wall of my family. My sister says it's the family altar. <laughs> And then I have a big bookcase up here. And this is bunk beds for kitties. <laughs> and then I have another bathroom up here. You can see kitties everywhere, right? And then this is a spare bedroom. So if you ever come, you can sleep here and choose your favorite kitty. <laughs> And this is the den. You can see, I have, I, this is the only TV I've ever purchased in my whole life. <laughs> and I purchased it because Nina was with me, my friend, and she was going to be here alone for a while, and so we got this um, TV for her to watch. Now you're going to see my room that always has kitties on it, <laughs> on the bed. Here's Akina. This is... Um, there's one kitty this thing just fell. This is Akina. This is Don Antonio Bigotes. This is Rajitas. This is a beautiful bedspread. Can you see this? Linda Jack made that bedspread. I don't know. It's just amazing. And I'll take you outside so you can see outside too. And if you want me to stop and show you anything else, just let me know. <laughs> no, that's good. We have a couple more minutes, so we can see outside, and maybe we'll end with a couple more okay. questions for you. Okay. Yes, you can ask me. I'll go out this way. And this is my oldest kitty. Her name is so pretty, and she's 16. Wow. Yeah. Let me take you out here in the patio. The sun came out today, which is nice. This is my little... Um, umbrella thing for the kitties to sleep so they don't get wet. There's, can you see them in there? Yes, we do. They are living the yes. life of luxury. Sometimes they are. And this is my little garden. This is, you can see, I, and oh, you can, can you see the sign up there? The, the oh, yes. Concept? Yeah, that, the conference. That's what they used at the, yeah, and they gave me the Thing. Oh, that's great. So, well, yeah. Ellen, just as we start wrapping up here, um, after yes, yeah. so many years of ministry, maybe we can end by just hearing, can you think back, particularly what have been some of the greatest or one of the greatest encouragements that you have had over those years of ministry? Oh, just the people. Um, their hunger for the Lord. It's so exciting to invest into lives and to be able to do this. That's why I started writing a book a while ago, just about being a single missionary for Jesus 
I think if people knew what it was and how exciting it is to live for the Lord and to teach his word and to help people to grow in him, they would do it. But we have this wrong concept. We think you have to be an old lady with your hair back and not have fun. And, you know, think people think, oh, it's so boring. My life is anything but boring. You saw that TV up there. I can't remember the last time I turned it on. I never watch TV. I never have time for TV. Um, it's people, <laughs> you know. That That's the ex- most exciting thing. Yeah. That investing into lives of people and seeing them change, seeing them transformed right before your eyes. Yeah. Well, praise the Lord. Tell us, Ellen, if there's ways that we can be praying for you, either right now or things that are coming up in the near future. How can we be praying? Well, you can always pray for the, sim- the different classes I have three times a week. Uh, if you speak Spanish, you can connect on Facebook. Oh, I just laughed just before I left. Somebody came and helped me um, put Seminarios de Elena Parker on Facebook. And so all my material that I've used throughout the years, I'm putting it on Facebook for everybody to use. So if they can't have me go, they can use the material. Um, So pray for that. That is just so amazing. Even non-believers have written to me and asked questions about the Lord because of that. And it's free. It's so exciting. (laughs) That's great. Anything else as we yes, close here? Yes. What else can we pray for you? So you can pray for the weekly Bible studies. You can always pray for, I always have different seminars on weekends. Um, and you can pray, I had a knee replacement in December, and you can pray that that it will continue to do okay. It's always a challenge, but the Lord knows why, you know. Um, um, I just want to have more energy to do more. And sometimes it I'm 63, so I don't have as much as I used to have, but I do what I can do, and just keep going. And when the the battery stops, I stop, and then charge it up again. (laughs) Well, we are so encouraged, Ellen, to hear just all the many ways that the Lord is using you. And just over your years, we know that there's been various trials and health issues, Mm -hmm. but the Lord has been so faithful. And so we would love to just close our time now and praying for you if we can do that. Thank you. And if any of you ladies need to leave to pick up your kids, feel free to do that also, okay? Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, it is such a joy to get to speak with Ellen, Lord, and we're so thankful for this exuberant, um, loving woman who you have created, Lord, and who you have called to yourself through very unlikely circumstances. And God, you have planned that from the beginning of time to use Ellen in exactly the ways that you would choose and to have her speak into people's lives through the relationships that she's made through them, Lord, with them and with even through the cats, Lord, and through the dogs and the different ways that you are using Ellen, Father, to build relationships with people in the country and in her building and through her nursing experience, God. We're so grateful for how you work, Lord. We thank you so much for Ellen's eager, um, just always using the opportunities, Lord, for your gospel, Father. We pray that you continue to encourage her in that way, Lord, to make her bold for you, Father, to continue to give her the strength, um, even in her own body, Lord, that you would sustain her each day. We pray that you would continue to bless her knee after the replacement, that you would continue to just give her what she needs each day and when she needs to rest, that those times would be um, sustaining, Lord, Father, to refresh her for more seasons of ministry. We thank you so much for this um, conference that she was able to be a part of in the Dominican Republic, and we pray for the ladies who gave their life to you, Lord, 
that they would be plugged into mm-hmm. a church body, that they would be growing and encouraged in their faith. And we pray that the words that were spoken, Lord, that your word that Ellen was able to share would not return void, that even that would continue to work and impress upon the hearts of the women who are still undecided about what they will do with their God, Lord, and with the God of, of creation. Father, we do pray that you would um, continue to bless these classes, the seminars and the teaching mm-hmm. material that Ellen is developing, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to put it on Facebook, and we do ask that you would use that for your glory to spread to people mm-hmm. in various parts of the Spanish-speaking world, Lord, and even here in the United States where it can be used, Father, to teach women your word. God, we're so grateful, and we're just overwhelmed by how you work in amazing ways, Lord. Pray that you would bless the rest of Ellen's day now, Lord, and sustain her and give her great grace in your son's precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, Ellen, I'm so excited I got to be with you, even though I'm not there. Oh, <laughs> you came to say goodbye. This is Mr. Mancha. He, Mr. Mancha. He weighs um, almost 20 pounds. <laughs> wow. He's a big, big kitty. Wow. That, that, that was, was cute. cute. <laughs> <laughs> that is cute. Thank you, Mr. Mancha. We appreciate the attention. He's very, yeah. very proper. <laughs> I should have named him Mr. Cow, but we have a- <laughs> Well, Ellen, God bless you. It has been such a joy. We want to all say goodbye to you now. and Enjoy Bye. the rest of your tacos Love today. you guys. We love, love you too. You. Bye, Ellen. Bye.